I've got a wedding that ended in tragedy. <laughs> I've got a single sentence that might yet break Britain, but probably won't. Hello and welcome to Date Fight. It's the 14th of November and we are going to take a couple of things that happened on this day in history and pit them against each other to see whose is the best fact. We are. I'm Nat Tapley, he's Jake Yap, and we have selected from all of history the two most pertinent facts to today. And we're going to see what is the most important thing that has ever happened on the 14th of November. Yes, and then we're going to decide between us who wins. Yeah. And uh, the current score runs at 11-6 to Nat. It's me. By a country mile. 11-6. Yep. Round one. Let me take you back to the 14th of November, 1922. I'm back there right now. 1922 and the British Broadcasting Company <gasps> yes. begins broadcasting on medium wave <laughs> from Marconi House in London with the first newscast. The first newscast. Was it the news first? Did they start off with the news? Yes. And then the next day they did Birmingham and Manchester because, you know, it's the shires, isn't it? <laughs> they can wait. Did they get yesterday's news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> they read it out on a piece of paper and then someone galloped on a horseback up to Manchester and Birmingham with it. And it was read out the this next day. This is incredibly day. new news that's sending us. But it was the beginning. That's it. It started so without... The 14th of November, there would be no homes under the hammer. <laughs> exactly. No. All of that. Imagine. I am imagining. David Attenborough would just be a very bored biology teacher somewhere. Laura Koonsberg would be wandering around. Yeah. Shouting at badgers. <laughs> it's quite fun to imagine what all those people would be doing without <laughs> the BBC. I see sort of... You'd never have heard of Ricky Gervais. I feel like Hugh Edwards would be one of those slightly snippy uh, bed and breakfast owners. <laughs> you know? Like it would be immaculately neat and very floral. My partner and I want you to leave now. <laughs> we noticed yes. that you didn't bake the beds this morning. Any reason? <laughs> what you got then? Uh, I have Nellie Bly going around the world in 72 days. Yes. Um, after the publication of Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 Days, a number of people thought, is that, could you do that? And Nellie Bly, a reporter for a newspaper, which I didn't note down. It's something like the New York World or something it was called. I think it was the New York World, yes. And she went around the world in 72 days. All she took was a small bag containing toiletry essentials and changes of underwear. Presumably EasyJet still wanted to charge her £35 for whole baggage. <laughs> and off she went. <laughs> 72 days. What I didn't know was that Cosmopolitan, which wasn't a magazine, it was a newspaper at the time, Cosmopolitan sent Elizabeth Bisland the other way around the world to see who would win. Nellie Bly won. Uh, Elizabeth Bisland took four days longer. Now, is that because she was going uphill? It, well, like, I don't Yes, <laughs> she went uphill around the world. I think she, she missed her boat somewhere in Greece and so was stuck uh... waiting. Uh, the record was eventually beaten by George Francis Train, who was, of course, then beat by George Francis Aeroplane. <laughs> That's good. Did you see, uh, uh, what was it called? The 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 Greatest Race or something? Uh, I, I think on the BBC. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't an Aryan thing. It was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was people running around the world. They had to travel to the furthest place you can get to just over land from Britain, uh, which was... Um, Surely that's part of Britain still. I think it's Singapore. 
What? How can you do that I without crossing a body of well, water? Well, you can go on the Channel Tunnel. Oh, well, that's cheating, isn't it? And they had to try and do it for the same amount as the airfare, but going over land. And it took them weeks, and it was a fantastic series. And did they have a time limit? It was a race, so they, they, they all set off at the same time, and they, they had to kind of just go the fastest way they could think of and choose their routes. It was a really great series. Mm. I don't feel enough was made of it. Well, it has been now. Uh, I think you've got to win. You've got to win just for the sheer theatrical the chutzpah majesty of it. Yeah, okay. I mean it's Thank a great, you. what an amazing adventure. She's brilliant, Ellie Bly. So, yeah, what was her real name? I don't know. Uh, Eleanor Bly. <laughs> no, it's it like Catherine Norman or something. Anyway, that's good. Twelve six. Let's do the birthdays. <laughs> Birthdays. Happy birthday to Leopold Mozart. He's the Mozart you don't know. He's just the actual Mozart's dad. <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Jawaharlal Nehru, India's first prime minister, but best remembered in the West nowadays for popularising a very natty style of collar. Also, happy birthday to Paul Dacre, the ex-editor of the Daily Mail who has a home in Belgravia, one in the British Virgin Islands, a 17,000-acre estate in the Scottish Highlands, and a farm in the West Sussex countryside. It's called the countryside, but I'm reliably informed that other people reside there too. Happy, <laughs> happy death day to... Nell Gwynn, who has the only statue of a royal mistress in London, and once administered laxative to one of her competitors for the king's favours in order to see that she wasn't uh, entertaining royalty that evening. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, also, it all depends on. <laughs> anyway, go on. The particular royal in question. Mm. Yeah. Happy death day to Booker T. Washington, the first president of the Tuskegee Institute and the first African-American invited to dine at the White House. <laughs> Suddenly that seemed terribly euphemistic. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Off to Nell Gwynn and the laxatives. Mm. I'm inviting you to diet at the wine house, White House tonight. Um, also, happy birthday to Warren Mitchell, who was younger than either of us when he started playing grumpy pensioner Alf Garnet. That's terrifying. Yeah, he was in his 30s. Wow. Mm, isn't it, though? But he had a great life. <laughs> he, uh, until, he was with us until 2015, which is when he died on the 14th of November. The age 38. <laughs> 39, um, yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so it's round two, and it's your turn to go first. Yes, it is my turn. I'm going to take you to the year 1977, which is when, in a debate over Scottish devolution in the House of Parliament, Tam Deal, the member for West Lothian, put what became known as the West Lothian Question. He said, for how long will English constituencies and English honourable members tolerate at least 119 honourable members from Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland exercising an important and probably often decisive effect on English politics while they themselves have no say in the same matters in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland? It's a question which no one's had a good answer for ever since. And the English, well, there is a good answer, which is just have an English parliament as well as devolving all the other regions. But we won't do that. So we can just have English people feeling put upon uh, for the rest of time and saying, well, uh, I don't see why they should be able to come down here and tell us what to do. I can't tell a Scotsman what to eat for breakfast. Can't, I don't even tell... <laughs> <laughs> it was 40 years ago. <laughs> it's not that difficult wow. to solve. Uh, oddly, the name, not oddly, but interestingly, the name, West Lothian question was given to it by Enoch Powell. So every time you talk about the West Lothian question, you are quoting Enoch Powell. Gosh. 
Don't you think, though, that it's a, it's a useful thing for stowing up, stoking bitterness and resentment? <laughs> stoking resentment amongst different parts of the United Kingdom. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yes. It, it, all it shows is a lack of self-confidence amongst the English that they feel that they need a parliament. Yeah. Well, good on them. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about. Good on them. Okay, English. well, here's what I've got. I'm going all the way back to 1532. Wow. That's a long way back. I know. To for me, that's good going because most of my history knowledge is steps based. When King Henry VIII of England mm-hmm. uh, wrote, because of course we know he wrote music, he wrote five, six, seven, eight, which was later released <laughs> by Steps. Uh, no, he secretly married Anne Boleyn. Ooh, on this day, uh, secretly they then officially married on January the twenty fifth, fifteen thirty three. That's the thing about kings and queens often get two celebrations of the same festival, don't they? I mean, the queen has two birthdays. Yes. He gets two weddings. They all get like nine funerals. The queen mother was trolled around the country like a mobile corpse. Yeah. And he was basically trying it on with two sisters. So I didn't know this. Mm. Um, I didn't know that Mary Boleyn, Anne Boleyn's sister, had been his mistress. When do you reckon they broke that to her? Was it at Christmas? (laughs) Every Christmas. Um... So yeah, it was, it, and that was uh, that was in like fifteen twenty six. So it, it, his his pursuit of Anne lasted six years. So he was he was pretty determined. <laughs> I mean, determined is one adjective. Yeah, I mean, uh, unrelenting. Yeah. pig is it? But uh, there's lots of sort of accounts describing mm. Anne. Uh, a lot of them. Uh, just, I mean, obviously they're all written by men and are literally just talking about her yeah. appearance uh, because, you know, what other currency is there for a woman, guys? <laughs> um, but I was quite uh, taken aback by um, what's described as uh, the most influential description of Anne, but also the least mm. reliable. Um, and this was written by a Catholic propagandist and polemicist, Nicholas Sanders, in 1586. Mm-hmm. So this is like yeah. 50 years so she's after she's been dead Anne for a long died. time. And, and he's still really... Going for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's like the sort of Casey Hopkins <laughs> of, 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 of the, the time. So he writes, Anne Boleyn was rather tall of stature, with black hair and an oval face of a sallow complexion, as if troubled with jaundice. <laughs> it said she had a projecting tooth under the upper lip and on her right hand six fingers. There was a large wen under her chin, and therefore, to hide its ugliness, she wore a high dress covering her throat. (laughs) And then, suddenly, it all kicks off for him, because then he says, she was handsome to look at, with a pretty mouth. It's like, oh, well, what is it then, Nicholas? Get over yourself. Apart from the hideous deformities that she had to dress to conceal, she was a beauty. But, but... Yeah, it's sort of like really awful, like man in a bar saying, "Oh, you're, I, yeah. you're a six, maybe a seven, but you want to go home with me?" It's a very backhanded. She was very. You're very brave to go out like that. <laughs> I wouldn't dare wear a high-necked collar to cover my wen like that. Yeah, I mean, we've all got wens. It's a question yeah. of where. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's mine. Did he? Do we think he thought oval faces were good or bad? Because you you gave real disdain to the word oval there which i enjoyed very much yeah well it was it was when he goes on with the sallow jaundice and the projecting like you know yeah. and the ugliness was he negging her was he negging dead Anne boleyn i yes he was he's he was he was a total what a terrible man neghead so 
I don't know. It's up to you. I think, I mean, you spoke I, with... I think you were in there. Really? I'm on a streak, man. Yeah, let's, let's, yes, definitely, you won it. Because yours is actual history, mine is just... Oh, wow. All I had was the fact that it was by Enoch Powell gave it the name. I was just getting shock points for saying Enoch Powell. Well, yeah, but you, it's the depth and the detail, but I'm just, I'm going to take it. I don't care. 11-7, brilliant. Have it. Well. Here we go. Thus 11-7. ends another date fight. Extraordinary. A shocking, with that shock conclusion. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back, of course, tomorrow uh, with another date fight. Yes. If you subscribe, then you'll, you know, just get it. Mm. And if you share it and tell your friends... Or come on the Facebook page and talk about it there. There are lots of lovely people there. They're all discussing Oh, yeah, that would be really great. Yeah, would you do that? Just so that we don't feel like we're shouting into the ether. Yeah. (laughs) Hollering into the void with the only sound, the echoing of the emptiness of our souls. What are we on the Twitter again? At date underscore fight. Okay, that's it. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.